Don't take your pastor's word or your granny's word or your mom or dad's word. Take the word of God. And that's the problem with America today. People just, they listen to something somebody says on TV and they think that's the truth. And they lap it up like a dog. And it's not the truth. They need to get back into the Bible. We're in Gospel of John chapter 21. Gospel of John chapter 21. We'll start there at verse 1. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two, of his, uh, two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night, that night, they caught nothing. There's nothing worse than for a fisherman to go fishing and not catch a stinking thing. And if they do don't, even if they don't catch a thing, they usually will lie and say they caught something. But these men, they're commercial fishermen, and they went fishing, and they caught nothing. Now I want to go take you back up to, I want to take you back up to verse 1. And let's start back over in verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. Now, what you need to understand about Jesus Christ, and I was mentioning this in Sunday school, that Jesus Christ... He's not a philosophy. He's not, a, he's not an idea. He's not just something we do. It's, Christianity is not any kind of religion. Christianity is about a man that rose from the grave on the third day. And you need to give, grab a hold of that. You need to understand that your, your Savior, Jesus Christ, that separates him out from every other faker. <laughs> you need to grab a hold of that, man. You need to understand. You know, we're out there street preaching. That's one of the things I love to street preach is I love to get out there on the corner and I used to get, grab my Bible and I love to get them really stirred up. And I like to say, Muhammad is dead. <laughs> and then I'll say, Buddha, Buddha's dead. Amen. And then, you know, people will be kind of, and I like it because people will take the, you know, roll the window down. Like, what's he talking about? And they, you know, just crack it. They won't look at me, but you'll say, Mwee. Muhammad's in the grave. Amen. Truth, amen, truth. Amen. Then I'll say, Buddha's in the grave. Amen. But Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. I love to preach that. That preaches, man. That's the truth. And that's who you got in Jesus Christ. And you need to grab a hold of that, that Jesus Christ is, can walk through those back doors. But we don't believe it. Everybody amens it, but we're not living it. And we got these poor people that are in these fake religions, they're in these fake ideas, they're in these fake ways of going, and they believe in their, what they're believing, but we're believing in the truth, but we're not living like we're living the truth, like we believe that Jesus Christ can walk back through those back doors. You know, uh, if Muhammad... If Muhammad was to walk through those back doors, who would care? I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me one bit. He can't judge me. I would judge him. I wouldn't care if Buddha walked through that back door. I'd tell him, hey, you need to lose a little bit of weight. He wouldn't, but would Jesus Christ walk through those back doors? Friend, you're going to hit your knees. You know, they, 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 they misunderstand Jesus Christ. This man was very special. He's the son of God. And then they said, hey, this guy's stirring up the people, the, 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 the temple uh, priests. They said, go arrest this guy. I'm sick of hearing about Jesus. You go arrest him. So they sent the policemen, the temple police, and they go and they, they go to arrest Jesus Christ. And then they come back without Jesus Christ. And they come back without Jesus Christ. And the temple, the temple priests say, where's Jesus? Why didn't you bring him back? And they look at the temple priest and they said, well, the Bible says they said, never a man spake like this man. Jesus Christ didn't have a sword. 
Jesus Christ, y'all worried about gun control? Jesus Christ didn't have, have a nine millimeter in his back pocket. He was just sitting there preaching. He's sitting there preaching the words of God. And they got there to arrest him and they had swords and they had spears and they started listening to him. And I said, oh, I think we'll just go back. <laughs> I'd rather get in trouble with the boss. This guy's special. And we forget about it. We forget about it. You know, if a, if a, Muslim, can't, a Muslim can't meet their prophet like we can meet our Savior. And if a Muslim, even if the Muslim straps a bomb on themselves and la, 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 blows themselves up, they'll meet their prophet. And the first thing they'll ask their prophet is, we're the virgins. And Muhammad will say, forget the virgins, we're the water. Where's the water? Amen, they'll be down in hell. See, they can find the bones of Muhammad and they have them and nobody cares. They can find the bones of Buddha and nobody cares. But if they ever find the bones of Jesus Christ, that destroys our whole religion. That's why they've been looking for him, but they're never going to find him. And when they find him, there'll be skin and bone around him and blood, and he'll be looking them in the face. Well, they're not going to be ready for that. But that's what we have. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. We have a risen Savior, and I'm so thankful for that, that we're serving a risen Savior that can listen to our prayers, that cares about our prayers, that cares about our hurts, that cares about our ailments, that cares about us and loves us. That's who we got in Jesus Christ, that they don't have. We need to be telling people about that. We need to tell them about Jesus Christ. You know, that's what separates us out, is that our Savior is risen. You know, they had a Muslim, and he was trying to convince a Christian, said, hey, you need to, uh, you need to come over to Islam. And that Christian said, let me ask you a question to this Muslim friend. Let me ask you a question. I go to a crossroads, and I come to this crossroads, and there's a living man there, and there's a dead man there. And he asked that Muslim, who should I ask of which, the right, which, which is the right way to go? And that Muslim said, well, it's obvious you asked the living man. He said, then why are you trying to send me to Muhammad who's dead when Jesus Christ is alive? Amen. You want the way? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. You go through Jesus Christ. So here he is. He's risen. And he's going to appear again to them. But in verse 3, they forsook in Jesus Christ. What makes this interesting in verse 3 is that Simon Peter says unto them, I go a fishing. Well, that's exactly where Jesus Christ first encountered Peter was fishing. And Jesus Christ encountered Peter and encountered John and encountered James who were all there in verse 2. He encountered them and they were fishermen. And you know what happened when he encountered them? They hadn't been catching nothing then. And he said, can I use your boat? And Peter said, yeah, you can use my boat. And so Peter used Jesus, uh, Jesus used Peter's boat, went out a little way from the shore, and he preached to the people. And after he got through preaching to the people, Peter was listening. And Jesus says, well, hey, take your boat and go out there. And you're going to catch some fish. And Peter said, Lord, I've been to toiling all night long. We didn't catch a thing. But because you said so, I'll go do it. So Peter and James and John, they went out into the sea, and they caught so much fish they couldn't bring it up into the boat. And they barely get back to the shore. You know what happened when, Jesus, when Peter got back with Jesus Christ? Peter did this right here. Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Amen. <laughs> he got around holiness. And Jesus Christ said, stand up, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And the Bible says they forsook all and started following Jesus Christ. That, they did all that. Well, they go for three and a half years and they're walking, they're seeing the miracles, they're hearing him preach, they're actually getting to sleep and eat and drink with Jesus Christ and they're getting to see him do all these miracles, raise the dead. They've seen him crucified. Peter had forsook him. Peter had denied him three times. And after it was all said and done, he had appeared to Peter 
And then when everything, he left, instead of Peter going out doing what Jesus said to do, Peter said, you know what, I'm going to go back to fishing. That speaks to Christians who encounter Jesus Christ and get saved, and somewhere along the way they stop following Jesus Christ. Amen. They forget that he's still alive. Now we've all in here, I hope all in here have received Jesus Christ, but there comes a time in your life where you, you forsake him and you stop following him. And things are not going good in your life. Have you stopped following Jesus Christ, friend? Have you gone back to the world, gone back to fishing? Well, if you're a Christian in here and you've stopped following Jesus Christ, you've gone back to the world, you're not catching nothing. And you're not happy. And you're not going to be happy until you get back right with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Friend, the morning's come. And Jesus is standing on the shore. See, the most beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is you'll forsake Jesus Christ. You'll stop following Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ never stops following you. Amen. And you might take Jesus Christ and throw him to the side in your life, and you might start walking away from Jesus Christ. You might never think about Jesus Christ, but I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is thinking about you. Amen. And he's following you. And there's going to come a morning where he's going to show up, and I hope it's this morning to you. He's going to be standing on the shore. But is Peter, are you going to be like Peter and the disciples and it says there, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They didn't even recognize him. You can get so far off in the world, you don't even recognize Jesus Christ. You don't even recognize how much you're missing without Jesus Christ. You're missing it, man. And if you've been saved, you know exactly what I mean. That joy, that happiness, that release, that peace. It don't matter if you're sick or if you're hurt, if you've got financial problems or what's going on in your life. There's something about being with Jesus Christ. It just makes everything okay. And I, it's not going to be a rose garden. He never promised us a rose garden. That don't come to the very end. But listen, these guys didn't even know it was Jesus Christ. You know, this happened before again in the Bible. This happened again before in the Bible with two other disciples. They were walking with Jesus Christ, and he comes walking up to them, and he says, what are y'all talking about? And they didn't even know it was him. And he starts talking to them, and they start talking about Jesus Christ. And you know what he said to them? He didn't hug them. No, he didn't hug them. He didn't tell them, hey, I love you guys. You know what he said to those two disciples? He said, you're fools. Yeah. The two disciples that wrote a mass, he said, you're fools. And slow of heart to believe everything written in this book right here. <laughs> you're forgotten what this book says. You're forgetting the promises. And Jesus Christ says, you're fools. I didn't say that, fellas. <laughs> It's quiet as a mouse in here. I didn't say that. Your Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ said, you're fools for being slow of heart to believe. He didn't say being slow to understand it. He didn't say anything about understanding it. He said, I don't expect you to understand it. He said, I expect you to believe it. All that the prophets have written. And he straightens them out. And he straightens them out real good. And they're like listening to him. And then they go in to eat. And they say, come in and eat with us. And as soon as he took up bread to, to bless it, they said, it's Jesus. And he disappeared. And then here we go again. These disciples have gotten away from Jesus and they're going back into the world and they're starting to live in the world again and Jesus shows back up. That's the thing about Jesus Christ. He won't let you live in the world and give you peace. <laughs> 
He just won't let you do it. You can receive Jesus Christ and get saved and go, well, I'm going to go back out honky-tonking. I'm going to go back out living that. And you go out doing that stuff, and you just never, it's never as much fun, you know? You just look, this ain't no fun. This ain't. And you see everybody acting like a fool. You say, well, this isn't. And, and the Holy Spirit in you saying, this ain't right. He just won't leave you alone because you belong to him now, see? So he shows up, and they don't know him. Listen, you might be slow of, to pay your bills. You might be slow to mow your grass. You might be slow to wash your dishes at your house. But whatever you do, don't be slow to believe this book. Okay, don't be slow to believe this book. You can be slow to everything else, slow at reading or whatever, but don't be slow to believe this book right here. Amen. All right, verse 5. And then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No, no, we don't have any meat. Verse 6. And he said unto them, Cast a net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So they're in the boat, and here's a man on the, on the shore, and he's like, hey, y'all have any fish? You caught anything? Well, oh, we ain't caught a thing. Hey, cast it on the right side. And they just throw it on the right side, and they couldn't even get the fishes in. The net was so full. Listen, when you start listening to Jesus Christ, and you start doing the right things, doing it on the right side, you're going to get a multitude of blessings. Amen. It says he's got a multitude of fish. They couldn't even draw it up. Well, you know what's going to happen. You know the story. Look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, that's John. John always, and through the Gospel of John, he always referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Amen. You can refer to yourself as that. You're the Christian that Jesus loves. Amen. How do you know he loved me? He loved you enough to die for you. Yeah, so he always referred to himself as a disciple. So that's John talking. He said, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. He says, the Lord. Now, when Simon and Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat on him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. See, when the Bible talks about being naked, it's not the same way we use the word naked. It means it may, it's not nude. It means that he probably had his shirt off. He was out there fishing, so he probably had his coat and shirt off. But when, as soon as John says, it's the Lord, Peter, Peter just put his coat on and just, whoo, jumped off it off in the water. He's going to swim to Jesus. Hey, Amen. I love old Peter, man. He is quick to make a fool out of himself, but he is quick to make, he is close to Jesus as he could. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing Peter was. And he did cast himself into the sea, and the other disciples, verse 8, came in a little ship. For they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. See, what that verse 7 and 8 tell you is there's some Christians that are really quick, like Peter, to get right with the Lord. And as soon as the Lord shows back up in their life, Jesus Christ shows back in their life, and they recognize that's the Lord speaking to my heart, they're real quick to get right with the Lord. Like Peter, jump off in the ocean, just forget everything. But there's some of us in here... Or like those disciples, they want to drag all the world's goods with us as we go back to Jesus. And it just don't work very good that way. It takes you a lot longer to get right with Jesus. Well, you're dragging all those problems, all those you're dragging all that stuff with you. Won't you just let it go? Let all those worldly goods go and say, no matter what, I'm going to get right with Jesus Christ. Amen. He's worthy. Amen, he's worthy. You know it. If you're a Christian, you know what I'm saying is true. Jesus Christ is worthy of whatever you give up for him. 
He died for you. He bled for you. He got you a place waiting in heaven. Hey, my mom who's died is in heaven because of Jesus Christ. That means that when I die, I get to see my mom again because of Jesus Christ. There's people I love that have died that are in the graves out there. I'm going to get to see again because of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to get to live with them forever. And it's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to get a new body. And it's going to be wonderful. No more tears. All of that. Jesus Christ. He's worthy of whatever you're going to give up for him this morning. He's worthy to leave it all behind and do like Peter and say, I just want Jesus. I want Jesus again and jump back in the water. And as soon as they were come to verse 9, as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus already had it prepared. Man, the Lord is so good. It's not enough that Jesus Christ is a risen living Savior. I was thinking about that on the way to church. I was thinking, you know, Jesus is a risen Savior. And that's a wonderful thing. And that makes Him different than anybody else. But He's a risen Savior full of grace, full of love, full of mercy. Remember, He says, I wanna, he says we're coming to a throne of grace, not of condemnation. Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews, we approach God and He's on a throne of grace. Not a throne of condemnation. Grab a hold of that, man. That's, we're, we're talking about a man that's not only risen in the Son of God. He's not mean. He's not hateful. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. He doesn't wait for you to get to shore and say, okay, now make a fire. Get the fish ready. I'll be waiting around for you. He's already got it prepared. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Verse 10, Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. See, Jesus had told them a parable way back off in Matthew, verse 13, that they were going to gather the, the net and going to gather the world and, and bring it in in the net. The net wouldn't be broken and that they would separate the good from the bad and that there would be people saved. He was going to make them fishers of men. And all this is speaking to that. And it says 153. I've heard preachers, I haven't studied it out myself, but I've heard preachers say there's like 153 varieties of fish kind there in the Sea of Galilee where they were fishing. That might be true, it might not be true. But the truth is, is Jesus Christ expects us to be fishers of men. Amen. You catch them and you let Jesus Christ clean them. Ain't that what he said? Jesus said to them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. You bring them up here to me. See, it's your job to tell people about Jesus Christ. It's your job to hold up the signs, to give out the gospel tracts, to do whatever you're doing for Jesus Christ. That's all your job is. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to get spitting mad at people. And blah, blah, blah. You just say, hey, that's the truth. If you don't like it, fine. I love you anyway. It's okay. Let Jesus Christ handle them. Amen. And when they get saved, you don't go trying to sit there and straighten them out. <laughs> getting quiet when they get saved you don't go over there and try, start trying to straighten them out you let Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit straighten them out that's one of my testimonies of this church is I don't try to be legalistic I don't go there telling y'all what to do what not to do I try to leave y'all alone y'all live y'all's life I don't even tell you what Bible to bring in here we have people bring in different kinds of versions used to I wouldn't go in there and slap a version out of their hand I would just keep preaching the truth and let the Holy Spirit deal with them. I know the truth. Amen. I know the truth. I'm, you, can't, you can't break me of the truth. But I'm not going to be there just badgering you, hitting you over the head. That's not very graceful. God and Jesus Christ is all about grace. And I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. Verse 12, And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. Come on. 
Come and eat with me. Now, if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, i got some good news for you. You're a sinner. You're wretched. You deserve to go to hell. But Jesus Christ says, come on and dine with me. In Revelation, in the end of Revelation, it says, Come and drink of the water. Come and drink of the water of life freely. It's free. Come on. It's, Jesus, I already showed you. He prepared it all. Just come on and dine with me, Jesus says. See, he's a gentleman, though. He's not going to come barging into the door of your heart. He's a gentleman. The Bible says in Revelation 3, he just, he'll knock on the door of your heart. Can I come in? I, I want to change your life. I want to make you a new creature. I want to be born. I want you to be born again. I want you to become in the family of God. I want you to come down with me. Do you want to do that? See, he, he's a gentleman. He's not just going to come running in there and mess you. You've got to ask him. And I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful. He says, come and dine. But see, what happens is, as a, as a lost sinner, we come to Jesus Christ and we do dine. And we get to eat with Jesus Christ, and we start feasting with Jesus Christ. But, but there comes a time, fellow brothers and sisters, that we got to push ourselves away from the table and get up and start working for the Lord. Amen. We need to start working for the Lord. And stop being like babies and just sitting at the table and feeding and feeding and feeding and eating and eating and eating. There comes a time where that little child has to start working for his food. Taking out the trash, mowing the grass, whatever you do. You're going to start paying for your service. You're going to start paying for the... It's not, you're not doing, you're not paying for what you're given. You do it because you love them. Amen. We do this not because we're, we're wanting Jesus Christ. We're not paying him back for what he did for us on the cross. We're doing this because we love Jesus Christ. Amen. We're doing it because we love him. Don't we wish our kids would mow the grass and take out the trash because they love us? Yeah, yeah amen. Well, you know, that's another story for another day. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. They know exactly who it is. <laughs> they don't say, Who are you? When Jesus is speaking to your heart, Christian, you know exactly what's going on. You don't need to call me up and say, Hey, Brother Keegan, I'm getting this funny feeling about this thing. Should I stop doing this? You don't need to ask me if you should stop doing that. You know what you should be doing and not doing. The Holy Spirit's living in you. Amen. They didn't ask, hey, is this Jesus? They knew exactly that this was Jesus speaking to their heart. Now, verse 13. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Peter, saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that, that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, a son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. He said, why did Jesus Christ ask him if he loved him three times? Because Peter had denied him three times. See, Peter... Peter had had an encounter with Jesus Christ when he was living wrong. And it affected Peter. 
And I hope that if you're living wrong and not living for Jesus Christ, that it'll affect you the same way it affected Peter. How was that, Brother Keegan? Well, see, Peter had did everything right. He told Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to fight for you. And he went off and denied Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was just right, just not very far from Peter when Peter was doing this. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ had been getting beat. He's already getting bloody. And they had, they had Jesus Christ handcuffed. And they had him just tied up and making fun of him, mocking him. And there's Peter over there. The one he loves is over there getting beat up and mocked on. And Peter's over there. And they're asking him, you know Jesus, you're one of his. And he's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Doing exactly what Jesus said he'd do. And then it said the crow... The rooster crowed. He heard a cock-a-doodle-doo. And the Bible says that Peter looked and there was Jesus looking at him. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter and Peter looked at Jesus and they made eye contact. And the Bible says that Peter couldn't take it and he wept and wept bitterly. He saw the disappointed look in his Savior's face. All the love he had shown Jesus for three and a half years, all the, he, he, he loved his Savior. And he meant it when he said, I'll never deny you. He meant it, he meant it, he meant it. But there he was doing exactly what he wished he wouldn't have ever done. And Jesus was showing him the disappointed look in his eyes. Now friends, I'm so happy that we're going to get to see Jesus again. Amen. I'm so proud and I'm so happy that Jesus Christ saved me, but I sure don't want to meet Jesus Christ and see a disappointed look in his face. He said, I did all this for you, and I wanted you to follow me. I wanted you to lead people to me. I, and, and you didn't do anything. Can you imagine the heartbreak we'll have? Mm. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. That's what Peter was commanded to do. He was commanded to follow Jesus Christ, but he wasn't following him anymore. You know, if you love somebody, you'll talk about them. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. If you love somebody, you'll talk about them. That's why Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? See, Peter, if you love me, you wouldn't be out on a boat in the middle of fishing doing what I didn't tell you to do. You'd be going and doing and trying to catch men and telling men about me. You know, I have guys that ride with me in a crane truck all week long, and I can tell you exactly what they love but what comes out of their mouth. Either they're in love with sports, or they're in love with hunting, or they're in love with a woman, or they're in love with their kids. But I can tell because they talk about what they love. Jesus Christ says, Out of the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaketh. What have you been talking about last week? If I was to record your, rewind your life through the last week, how many times have you mentioned Jesus Christ? How about I give you a month? I'll give you a month. Let's go back a month and rewind your life. How many times did you mention Jesus Christ out of your mouth? Let me go so far as to ask you how many times you mentioned Jesus Christ to somebody else. The Lord says, do you love me? If you love somebody, you'll talk about them. Amen. Jesus Christ said in another scripture in Luke 6, he says, why callest thou me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I told you? So many of us, oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, Savior Jesus. But we don't act like he's our Lord. He's like a philosophy or some idea. He's a, some pie in the sky. He's way up there. We don't ever have to. No, he's right here. Amen. 
He's among us this morning. And he's asking you, do you love me? If you love me, you'll be talking about me. You know, there was a, a man, he grew up as a Christian. He was trying to raise his family in the Christian ways like we all try to do. And one day, his little girl come up to me, come up to me, his little daughter came up to him and said, Daddy, is God dead? And the dad was took back and he said, Honey, why would you ever say that? She said, Because I don't ever hear you talking to him anymore. They'd stop praying at the table. She'd stop hearing her dad pray. Guys, you might not realize how far away from Jesus Christ you are, but your family does and your friends see it. That probably does. See, you're a walking testimony for Jesus Christ. And that, that, some of these people that are not saved, they're watching you to see how you act. See, the only Jesus Christ they're ever going to see is you. And you've got to give them Jesus Christ. You've got to show them Jesus Christ. You've got to preach to them Jesus. They're not getting it on the TV. They're not getting it in the books. They're not getting it in the media. Guys, we've got to be the hands and the mouth of Jesus Christ in this world. We've got to be that light. We've got to be. And they had, they had stopped following Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself up and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and shall carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he to Peter, signifying by what death he should glorify God. See, the tradition goes, the Bible don't say this, but tradition goes that when Peter, of course we know through the Bible that he got right with God, he started preaching Jesus Christ, and boy, he was a firecracker for Jesus Christ. But in the later life of Peter, he got captured. And just like Jesus Christ said here, he got captured and he got carried off into prison and he got crucified, just like his Savior. But tradition says, listen to this, guys, that when they got ready to crucify Peter, he said, Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Turn me upside down. And tradition goes that when they crucified Peter, they turned him upside down. Because he was not worthy to die like his Savior. That's somebody that loves his Master. That loves his Savior. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying. Listen guys, I just said it earlier, but it's not going to be a rose garden. And he told Peter straight out, I need you to love, I love you, and do you love me? I need you to feed my sheep, but it's not going to be a rose garden. You're going to be laughed at. Some of your family is going to turn on you. Some of your family is going to mock you. Some of us have lost family members because we're Christians. They make fun of us. Listen, it's not a rose garden, but it will be a rose garden Amen. in the end. You either, can have, you either can live on this life for Jesus Christ... And be up in heaven for eternal life. Or you can live in this world and get all the devil has to offer you. But then in the end, you're going to get hell. Amen. And it's waiting for you. Verse 19, he says, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Follow me. Guys, are you following Jesus Christ? See, these disciples, they loved Jesus Christ. They had seen so many miracles, but they had come a point in their life where they decided they weren't going to follow him anymore. And they said, well, let's go fishing. And Jesus said, I need you to follow me. If you're going to be my disciple, Jesus said, you need to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So that, what's that cross? What do you mean? What does it mean, take up that cross? That means you need to crucify this flesh. There's going to be things that this body wants to do. You have to say, no, I want to do something for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Whatever it is. Verse 20, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, 
following, that'd be John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, now that's John, he's talking about John, verse 21. Peter said to him, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? See, so Peter and Jesus are walking along, and Peter's talking to Jesus like he's talking to some of y'all's heart this morning. And then behind, Peter looks behind him, and there's John following. Because, see, he wants to know what's going on. And Peter said, well, what about him? What about John? And Jesus says this. Verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Amen. Well, well, I'm not talking about John right now. Some of y'all might be sitting out there and say, well, what about old so-and-so? What about old sister so-and-so? What about old brother? What about... Jesus is saying to your heart, I'm not talking about them right now. I'm talking about you. Follow thou me. You, you need to be following me. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing in your life. It don't matter if your husband says, well, I'm not going to follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. It don't matter what, if your mom or dad or your pastor is forsaking Jesus Christ. If, I, if you find out tomorrow I got arrested and I was drunk and I was not living for the Lord and they throw me away and I, I, I'm just banded from the church and whatever happens to me, who cares what Jesus, what, who cares what Keegan Hall does? Amen. Amen. Who cares what I do? It's all about you and Jesus Christ, right? It's about you. What are you doing with Jesus Christ? Yeah, I'm going to answer for Jesus, to Jesus Christ for what I do and you're going to answer too. And if you have a pastor or a preacher or a brother or a sister or an uncle or an aunt or a mom or a dad or a granny or granddad that's forsaken God and don't go to church anymore, who cares what they do? Amen. Jesus said, it's not about them, it's about you. Amen. And you need to follow me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple, talking about John, should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but if, I will tarry that, if that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So you need to really read your Bible. Some people don't read the Bible and they read stuff into the Bible. He never said that, right? He didn't say he's not going to die. But John did get to see Jesus Christ come back. In the book of Revelation. right? He wrote the book of Revelation. So that did come to pass for him. Verse 24, let's close this up. This is the disciple, talking about John, which testifies to these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Talking about Jesus Christ. The testimony is true, God. You can believe this book. Amen. Look at the last verse in closing. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that, not even, that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. Have you stopped following Jesus Christ? Well, it's simple to get back with Jesus Christ. You just need to repent and turn around and say, I'm going to go back to Jesus Christ. He'll, he'll, he wants you to come back. He wants you to get right with Him. He wants to see you again. He's excited that you want to get right with Him. He's, that's why He's here this morning talking to your heart. He's not, Jesus Christ isn't kind of a Savior that says, well, I don't care what happens to that guy. No, He will hound you and hound you. Trust me, I know because I lived out in the world. He will hound you and hound you until you do something for Him. And you can, just, you can try to drown it out with the world and try to turn your TV up louder and turn up your music when you're in the car, but the whole time Jesus Christ is speaking to the back of your mind and in your heart, I, I want you to do I got something for you. I want you to get right with me because he loves you. Amen. He loves you. I want to close by giving this illustration. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're about to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. 
and he loves you, and he dies for you. I keep saying that over and over again because he does. He said, how much does he love me? He loves you enough to die for you so you'll have a way to get into heaven. One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to close by telling this, this real quick illustration. There was a man, and he lived in this town, and there was a, there was a, there was a big building there, and a, a fire broke out in this building. There was a family in there, and the family was getting burned up, and there was, a, there was a little boy in that window, and he was crying out for help. And everybody was down there on the ground watching this boy, and the fire was coming out of the windows, and they knew the boy was about to burn up. Well, there was one man that had the guts, and he climbed up on the drain, and he climbed up on that drain, and he climbed up to that second-story window, and he took that boy, and he put him on his shoulder, and he climbed back down that drain. But the whole time, that pipe was scalding hot, and he just burned his hands. Well, he got down with that boy, and that boy's family died in the fire. They had a big, this is back in the 1800s, they had a big meeting. Who was going to adopt this boy? Well, a lot of the people in the town wanted to adopt this boy, so they had a big city meeting, and everybody in the town was there, and they had people stand up and say, well, I, I'm very wealthy, and I can give this boy a great college education, and I can take care of him. And there's other people that says, I knew the boy when he was younger, and I really loved him, and I'd like to take care of him. And everybody, well, then the man showed up that had saved that boy. And they all wondered, what was this man going to say that was going to convince everybody that he deserved to be the one to raise this boy? And that man just walked down the front. While everybody was watching, he walked down the front. And he didn't say a word. He just walked down the front and he turned around. And he showed the scars on his hands. Amen. Friend, Jesus Christ has got scars in his hands for eternity to show you that he loves you. He's wanted, he wants to save you. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you love us enough to die for us. And Lord, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. Now, Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, can't think of a time that they received Jesus Christ, Father, as we give this invitation, Lord, I just pray that you'll lay it on their heart. They'll come on down here and get saved, Lord. And Father, there's somebody else underneath the sound of my voice, Lord God, that has been wandering out in the boondocks, Lord. Been doing things they shouldn't do, Lord. They want to get close to you, Lord. You've been speaking to their heart, Father. I just pray that right there where they're at, Lord God, they'll just get right with you, Lord, and they'll pray, Lord, and ask you to forgive them, Lord. We know we're not coming to a throne of condemnation, Father. We know you're sitting on a throne of grace, and we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for the throne of grace you sit on, Lord. And, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us, Father, speaking to every heart in this church, Lord God. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, Brother Matt and Wade. And uh, if you want to get, if you, the prayer altar is always open. If you want to come down here and pray, or if you've got something else you want to do, come on down here. But don't leave those doors unless you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.